Andre from The Mental Health, and I'm here with Professor Tim Kendall, who is the National Clinical Director of Mental Health at NHS England. Hi, Tim. Hi. Really looking forward to hearing your talk here at the conference. We're at MindTech 2022, and you're going to start off talking about where we are now in digital mental health. And you say, I'm quoting here, we're in the foothills of an exciting era of opportunity for digital mental health. And I was kind of reflecting on the fact that that kind of enthusiastic statement about where we are has sort of been the mantra here at MindTech for the last sort of, I don't know, six or seven years. Yeah. What do we need to do to realise that potential, do you think? Okay, well, if I just go back to about five or six years ago, and I was working with NICE to, I was in my job now, but NICE asked me to help with looking at uh, digital versions of therapy that could be used in IAPT. And we looked and we looked and we wrote to everyone that we knew and they all sent in. And you got, there were basically two kinds of products. There was products produced in universities that were pretty sort of clunky, not very user-friendly, but good randomised control trial evidence that they worked. And then there were others which were nice and swanky and polished and so on, but absolutely no randomised control trial evidence. So we actually couldn't really strongly recommend anybody um, or any product. Um, And I now know that since that time, in the last five, six years, loads of products have gone through randomised trials. Um, And I, I actually think we are in the foothills now of something really big happening. And when you think that the interface between the digital world and the psychological world is now so close, I mean, I, I feel deep anxiety if my phone isn't with me. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm engaging with it three, four hours a day, that kind of thing. It's so close that um, to not put, you know, be silly about this, we are near the matrix. I mean, that's that's really what we're 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 close to, and that that just gives real opportunity for us to have a positive influence on people's mental health. So reading into what you're saying there, you're saying that we need a large-scale randomised trial of the thing, whether that's you know VR treatment for agoraphobia and psychosis or avatar therapy for schizophrenia, whatever it might be, in order to recommend it in the NHS. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I think but, and this is where I think we've, why digital products have, have got something much more going for them than pretty much anything else in mental health, is that... If you, if you build into each one routine outcome measurement, you then don't need to repeat your randomised trials further down the line when, say, the product is updated or it's changed or whatever. So I, I think that, that um, I think we've, got, yeah, we've got an opportunity where you can test them in the first place and once you've got that testing, then there's real-life testing going forward. And that's not the same. Yeah, if you if you pick up a drug, it either stays the same drug, yeah, or you have to go back to randomised controlled trials. And then who's going to own that? You know, what's happened historically with tech and the NHS is, you know, somebody invents like an MRI scanner and then the NHS buy MRI scanners and we have them in hospitals. That's not what's happening currently with digital, is it? Because we've got these relationships with industry who are developing the apps. And in a lot of cases, we're kind of 
helping with waiting lists by sending young people off to the digital service that's provided outside of the NHS. How do you see this working in terms of ownership? Where's the digital technology going to sit in the future, within the NHS or in a more complex system? I, I think it has to sit within the NHS, um, in the same way as drugs do, psychological treatments do. Um, <clears throat> No, I, I, I don't envisage that we will be sending people off. Um, far from it. Um, in fact, what I'd like to see is a sort of a pipeline develop, for, which could involve industry. I think probably would involve industry. But it would go all the way through to when NHS England can identify what the training needs are, what the, you know, how to reach difficult-to-reach groups, that kind of thing, and then rolls out the product into the NHS. Um, I can't really see how else we could do it for quite a lot of products because you need therapists. So, I mean, unless we're going to be sending people off, you know, in coach loads off to, you know, private therapists. I, I can't see... I, I, I see this as NHS. But for me, that kind of highlights this central issue we've got here, which is the speed of development and the speed of innovation, which is happening out there in you know, the wild west of app development and is being driven by commercial organisations. And what we have in the NHS and in academia, the amount of time that it takes to do a randomised controlled trial, the amount of time it takes to innovate within the NHS. How is this pipeline going to bring that together? Okay, so our experience of COVID, I think, was, you know, an important, an important one. Um, you know, we probably led the world in the science behind vaccines and so on, in terms of trialling them and so on. I'm not saying in the invention of them or whatever else, but in trialling them and getting them into a position where we could say, yes, hand on heart, this works and it's safe. Um, and I think that, that you know, w what that means, we need a similar kind of approach for digital products where we have networks of, of, uh, of sort of trial uh, groups where you can relatively quickly get a product that's, that you think is, you know, you've got good evidence to think it's, it's a great product, so you get it in, it's trialled maybe 10 sites, each of them doing 20, you know, individuals, 200, 300, whatever it, it took. I, I, I think these are problems that we can overcome. The other thing that was interesting about the pandemic was that a lot of people who had previously been very anti-digital. So when I used to blog about digital mental health, I used to get loads of psychologists saying, you can't replace me with a computer. Um, and, you know, the, the research that I was highlighting was very much blended interventions, helping psychologists using digital technology to improve what they do. So, but there seemed to be this very kind of anti-digital stance that a lot of people working in the NHS were taking or feeling very threatened I guess the pandemic has forced people to use digital technology and now we're in a position where a lot of people are more open to this as part of the solution. How is NHS England going to build on that momentum that we started to get? Um, NHS England will is already building on that. I mean, um, in terms of remote working, um, you know, most of NHS England now works remotely. Uh, I, I work remotely you know, it's quite a, it's, it's a big thing to come down to London now. I used to be here four days a week. Um, so, uh, and there are downsides to that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think creativity is, is probably better when you're in a room with live people rather than on a screen. But for transactional stuff, for planning, that kind of thing, you know, we can, we can do that remotely. And you can do therapy remotely. And some people prefer it. Um, I, I think it's quite interesting that there are some clinics, for example, clinics for kids with autism and ADHD, they have a much lower did not, uh, you know, did not attend rate um, now that you can do it on screen. They far prefer it. And I think there are a lot of people who prefer doing it by screen. Um, but I think, and this is where I think what I'm wanting to, to get to, is that there are standalone ones that you can do, standalone therapy, CBT for PTSD, for example, um, right the way through to ones where the technology is an integral part of a face-to-face -face encounter. And I think that we just have to get used to the idea that this becomes a part of our psychological world, not a replacement for a two-way process. I want to come back to this idea that you've got of the pipeline, where you know at one end of the pipeline you've got the, the kind of innovation and the ideas, and at the other end you've got this widespread rollout of digital technology. Um, it, it seems to me that partnership working and cross-disciplinary working and working between academia and the public sector and industry is really key to that. I think it is key to that. Um, if you look at the, um, at the drug industry in the 1950s and 60s, um, similarly, it was, it, you know, it was the Wild West. You know, everybody was producing drugs of different kinds. Um, and you know, it was the first time that drugs in mental health actually did something unusual. Um, and you know, I remember that very, very first trial, I think of chlorpromazine, that was done. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't the sort of trial we'd necessarily do now, but um, you get descriptions of people who were on the ward at the time saying this was a dramatic effect. Now, um, I think that we, you know, we are entering a period where it's a bit Wild West. Um, there's lots of people doing lots and lots of things, generating apps and all this kind of stuff. Um, we got to the point where we demanded evidence and we, we started regulating it and saying, you know, we're going to have to have a couple of trials and evidence of safety and our regulators would be able to see all the hidden trials. Now, I think that we should start this one off really clearly saying, actually, every trial gets published. We don't want to have hidden trials in digital therapy. So, For sure. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's bigger than that. Because the current situation with you know, mental health apps, for example, read a systematic review just last week, 10,000 mental health apps available, only 17 of them have a reasonable evidence base for use with young people. Um, it's not just publishing all of the research, it's actually using apps that are based on research because the vast majority of them aren't. No, I agree, and that, that's where I think NICE has got an important role to play, um, which is that you know, <clears throat> if there are serious contenders for potential use in the NHS, then we need, they need to go through that kind of evaluation. Do they work? And secondly, are they worth the money? And I think both of those 
NICE is very well placed to do that kind of thing. And, you know, it also means that you've got a kite mark, you know, you've got a NICE has said yes to this, um, so it's safe for the public. Thank you.